0: Well, like Gary said, uh, this is the, uh, sounds like it's your second uh, First Friday, uh, the topic uh, going to the extremes, which I was super excited to get the invitation for because I am an extreme uh, person and uh, I love going to the extreme. My whole life has been uh, to the extreme. To give you kind of a bit of an example uh, of that, when I was first married, I never had any pets growing up my wife did so uh I didn't want any pets especially a cat cuz that's not a manly pet uh but my wife wanted pets and she especially wanted a cat so for those of you who are not yet married you may not know how this story ends but we got a cat and uh, but uh yeah but I'm allergic to cats so uh yeah uh, uh I touch a cat and Uh, you can touch my face and my eyes water, my nose, it's just, uh, nose runs, I'm hacking and coughing, it's just a horrible mess. And uh, um, so you would think a normal person, maybe someone who doesn't go to extremes, would do normal things like vacuum the house often, uh, wipe down the baseboards, not let the cat on the bed. Uh, Those would all be normal things. But again, I my personality lends itself to going to the extreme. So I did not do the normal thing. And somewhere along the line, true or false, I heard this story that if you have an allergy and you get enough regular exposure to this allergy that uh, the allergy will diminish and could potentially disappear. So what happened for me was I would come home from work every day, and our cat's name was Winston, he was about 23 pounds, big cat, super fat, and I would pick up Winston and I would just rub him in my eyes. Um, and uh, you know, my eyes would just puff up, my nose would run, and I did this for about two weeks And you know what? Honestly, my allergies kind of disappeared. Now, other cats still bother me, but Winston never did. So I like to live life in the extreme. So I'm super excited to come and talk to you briefly about what it means, like uh, this idea of of going to the extreme, specifically uh, around the idea of wisdom versus folly. Now, as I looked and kind of dug into Proverbs, here's where I think the tension is between wisdom and folly. The tension is they look alike. Wisdom and folly they look similar in our lives. Turn with me to Proverbs, if you have your Bible, Proverbs chapter 9. Um, we're going to read verses 1 through 6, and then verses 13 uh, through 18. So I think the conflict exists in just learning to make wise decisions and avoid foolish decisions because they really are kind of similar. And let me just start uh, reading in uh, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has lift up its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has set her table. She has sent out her servants. I'm sorry. She has sent out her servants and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, come, eat my food, drink my wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. But then notice how Proverbs records folly or foolishness. Starting in verse 13 of the same chapter. Folly is a loud woman. She is simple and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point in the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, She says, stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the deep realm of the dead. So it's only after eating and drinking, it's only after kind of buying in to that decision or that way of life that we actually. Realize whether we've made a kind of uh, headed in a foolish direction or headed in a wise direction. Whether we're going to end up walking in insight or whether we're going to descend into death. This is like a no-win situation for us. Do we just like pick a path and and hope that we picked the right one? Like I said, it's a it's a no-win situation when. When I was dating, uh, my wife, uh, who, the woman who would become my wife, I, uh, there was a large church event and, uh, they had all kinds of inflatable things there and, and games and activities and, and, uh, my wife's younger brother was there and we put on those sumo wrestling suits. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, and, uh, and we were kind of wrestling around and, and he is quite a bit younger than me and quite a bit smaller than me. I stopped growing in about the seventh grade. And uh, I just grabbed hold of his sumo suit and picked him up above my head. And I just thought, I'm just going to chuck him like as hard as I can. Like, how could I possibly hurt this kid? Um, because he's in a sumo suit. And uh, so I did. But as I chucked him, he kind of started to tilt uh, and ended up landing like on the side of his head and uh and then spent the rest of the evening kind of just whiny um and complaining and uh what we found out the next day which it was a, it was a new year's eve event what we found out the next day new year's day is that he had just totally broken his collarbone um and by he had i mean i had broken his collarbone and did i mention that this uh was my Girlfriend's, uh, younger, younger and only brother. And did I mention that we had not been dating for long? And did I mention that I had never actually formally introduced myself to her father? Right? <laughs> so, so they, so, so dad and son spent the New Year's, uh, day morning, uh, in the hospital and, uh, I called, uh, Emily or she had called me and, uh, And they, uh, she, she kind of filled me in on the details. And, uh, I thought, I should, I should call, I should call dad. Uh, I should call dad. But, but that's a no-win situation. When you're dating and you have not introduced yourself to that, that, uh, lady's father yet and you break the other and only son's collarbone on New Year's Eve at like midnight. That's a no-win situation. You can't, it's 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 not good if you call and it's not good if you don't call uh so what so what do you do in those situations and how can you tell the difference between wisdom and folly when sometimes they look pretty similar um, luckily we have the scriptures uh to help us discern wisdom from folly. And, uh, I'd like us to go right in the smack dab middle of those two sections of, of scripture I read. Staying in Proverbs 9, I want to pick up, uh, and read verse 7 and 8 and 9 and, uh, see if the scriptures can help kind of illuminate, uh, what we're talking about here in discerning foolishness from wisdom. Starting in verse 7 of chapter 9 says, Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. The wise who lack instruction will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. Did you catch it? Did you catch the difference? Mm -hmm. Wisdom and folly are discerned by our response to a situation. In Proverbs, wisdom and folly almost always show up in our reactions, Mm -hmm. in being reproofed or corrected or straightened out. Wisdom and folly are almost always discerned On how we react. Said another way, wisdom and folly are connected to how we respond. If I go back to that story about my uh, future brother in law and his broken collarbone, you know, I actually don't remember what I did. I don't remember if I called dad or if I just chickened out and didn't call dad. Um, But I don't think either one of those choices was a wise or a foolish choice um, so much. But I'll share another story with you. A couple of years later, I was had gotten hired as the youth pastor and there was like a kids camp and one of the kids was just being super rowdy. And, uh, and so my, my, uh, background is in, uh, in security and, and law enforcement training and whatnot. And, uh, he's just being super rowdy. He was kind of one of those kids. So I just decided I'm just going to grab him. I'm going to put him in like a police arm bar, like real quick, uh, just like, like snap. And, uh, so I did. And uh, and I thought I broke his arm, actually. Um, he just didn't turn quite the way I needed to, which isn't a big deal in law enforcement. You break an arm, you know, you're getting arrested. It's probably your own fault anyway. But for this kid, I'm like, oh, I'm in so much trouble right now. Um, and I, the reason I link those two stories is because because wisdom, wisdom at the end of my future brother-in-law story there was an opportunity for me to learn wisdom, to me to lo- for me to learn that uh, I'm a fairly stocky fella and I probably shouldn't take a person half my size and kind of wrestle with them. I had all brothers, I didn't have a sister, so that's kind of how we lived. Wisdom was giving me an opportunity through that life circumstance to actually learn and be wiser still. To actually take that rebuke, take that correction, take that lesson I should have learned and turn it into wisdom and kind of internalized it. Uh, Folly was inviting me to just say, well, things happen and just kind of move on with my life. Um, Obviously, in that situation, I did not take wisdom's opportunity to actually learn something and become wiser still. We treat wisdom, and I want you to remember this, we treat wisdom like knowledge that we need to make a good choice. But Proverbs treats wisdom like action that we need to take after making a poor choice. I'm going, to re- I'm going to just say that again. We treat wisdom like knowledge that we need to make a good choice. But Proverbs treats wisdom like action we need to take after making a poor choice. Wisdom and folly are responses. They're invitations for us to learn and grow and change or stay the same and make excuses. Even Psalms 141 says... Let a righteous man strike me. It is kindness. What's the author saying? Like, it's hard to get... Does anyone like critical feedback? I don't like critical feedback. Does anyone like, does anyone like correction from your parents? <laughs> or your boss? Or your wife? It's hard to take correction but right there in that moment of reproof, of reprove, of correction, right in that critical moment there exists an opportunity for you as wisdom is calling out and saying, hey, simple-minded one, I want you to learn something. Come this way. Follow me. Wisdom and folly are responses. So this is how I want to frame this. I want to frame it with a question. This is the question I want you to think about for the rest of the time uh, here together. What do we do when truth comes to us? What do we do when truth comes to us? When truth comes to a wise man, he adjusts himself. When truth comes to a foolish person, they attempt to adjust the truth. It's almost like the truth is a flashlight or a bright spotlight on our life, and it shines on us. And a wise person will see that and say, maybe something needs to happen in here. Something needs to change in my life. But a fool, someone full of folly, will look at that exact same spotlight and say, "Uh uh-oh, and attempt to adjust the light, step out of the light, Make an excuse for the light. Make an excuse for themselves. You know, about a year and a half ago, um, I was I was about seven years into the, my job at the church, which is very much an office job. I do a lot of sitting, and uh, I noticed something, and that was that for some reason, all of my pants stopped fitting. Um, <laughs> I told Emily, I think someone broke into our house and bought an exact copy of every pair of jeans I own except exchange them for one size too tight. (laughs) But upon further reflection, um, I realized that that probably wasn't the case. I was probably gaining a little bit of weight wasn't good. Things didn't fit. I mean, if, you, if you've never used a rubber band to kind of close the, uh, uh, close the button through the hole because it doesn't quite zip up, you feel me. So my, my jeans didn't fit. This is a problem because the church frowns on me not wearing pants to work. So right there, I had a choice. So the truth that was coming to me was that my jeans don't fit. Right? So I had a choice. I could either look kind of inward, reflect upon that truth, and make some choices to change me. Or I could go out and buy new jeans and change the truth. (laughs) I decided to change me. Um, And I hope made a wise decision. There are three areas that I'd like to talk to you about this evening um, that were a part of my young adult experience, my young adult life, uh where I had to learn to choose wisdom over folly by taking a hard, sometimes long look at the truth uh that was confronting me and sometimes make some very difficult changes. And I'd like to, to share those three uh kind of areas with you. And I'm just gonna call them choice community and condition choice sometimes these are best illustrated by a story so let me tell you a story um, choice I had uh, I was newly married I was out of college and I was looking for a job in law enforcement that was that was my degree um, but it was very hard to get a job in law enforcement at the time there were 50, maybe 60 applicants for one open position. And you had to go and take a test uh, called a civil service test. And you, you had to score quite high on that to even kind of get to that next round of interviews. And uh, um, my wife had went actually on a young adult retreat. Fantastic, phenomenal. But I decided to stay home because that Saturday of the retreat was the civil service test at a local municipality. And... Uh, um, I had studied. Uh, I had done due diligence and wisdom, all the, the things I'd learn, learned through school and college about studying. Uh, I, had, I had acted wisely. Um, except when she left that afternoon, um, I was kind of bored and I didn't have really anything to do. So I think I went out and I bought a video game. <clears throat> Um, and, uh, for my computer. And I, I downloaded that game and I, it was awesome. I think it was Age of Empires. Uh, but, uh, uh, it was awesome. It was epic in its time. And, uh, the, but the problem is, like, I just, I just couldn't stop playing. And I played till about 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning. And my civil service test was at like 6.30 in the morning, uh, at the, at the local, at the local municipality. And it was, I mean, I didn't stand a chance. My score was so low. It was like 68 or something like that. And normally I was scoring in the upper 80s or the 90s. Just horrible. So you would think that like, out of that experience, I had the opportunity to make a wise choice or a foolish choice. And I began the long road of of learning that life is not all about just letting go of all my responsibilities and just pleasing myself by, you know, ordering four cheesesteaks and staying up till 5 o'clock in the morning playing video games, right? <laughs> it's just not. The young adult season in life is about choices and increasingly about the consequences of your choices. You make them all the time and they 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 affect your life far more than you'll ever know. Um, uh, If I make bad choices at this point in my life right now, they're not as disastrous as if you make bad choices in your life right now. Because you have compounding interest of life. It's like setting a foundation. So if we get halfway up the house and all my windows are crooked... It's okay, but if you're at the beginning of your adult life and your foundation is crooked, six years in to the completion of the house is going to fall over. Yeah. So, choices. Wise choices. Look, you are going to make foolish choices, and I'm still going to make foolish choices. But when we make a choice, and, and after that choice kind of comes in, we kind of pay the bill for that choice, so to speak, you have an opportunity, you have a window right there, as wisdom and folly are both calling out, saying like, hey, come and learn from me. Choices. Wise and foolish choices. The second one. Uh, community. So I finally ended up getting a job at uh, the nuclear power plant, through my Island. I was on their security force and, uh, I was the only non-military, um, personnel on my entire team, uh, the, uh, the Bravo team uh, there for a long season. And, uh, but the culture of the work was not a good place to work. Uh, the people were very rough around the edges and there was just a culture that just they hated the organization. There was a there was a very strong culture in in this security force that just hated the people that they worked for. Took every every opportunity to bash them, take shortcuts, even like da- like slightly I wouldn't say damage plant equipment, but just disregard like even just the least amount of like good faith in like honoring and and helping uh the management and the company that they worked for. Just a real negative culture. It just kind of sucks you in when you're around that kind of stuff for, you know, day in, day out, for hours and hours at a time. And I found myself getting sucked into that culture. And I remember, um uh, one time I just, I just, I just, I man, I just got caught red-handed doing something, uh, that was just, it was just in in line with the culture of the people I was hanging around, but it was just really rude and disrespectful and very just dishonoring of the people, not just the company we worked for, but the managers, the direct managers who were who were above us and really trying to you know kind of lead the team and get thing, the things done that needed to be done, and uh, just being around that community just had such influence uh, on me that before I knew it, I was doing things and saying things that I would never ever do or say um, outside that culture, and. Uh, uh, so I got caught, and I uh, was talking to one of the managers, and it was pretty rough because he knew I was a, a follower of Christ. He knew I had a pretty strong work ethic. Um, and, uh man, I just felt like the gavel sort of came down on me. I just felt horrible. Um, you know, and in that moment, I really just felt like it was that truth of, like, hey man, you're professing to be this guy and then you're acting like that guy. And it was not a comfortable place for me. I definitely could feel myself kind of squirming under the light of that. And uh, um, and I had a choice um, in that moment. I had a choice to either kind of own it um, and and reflect upon it internally, or I could have blamed it on the stupid management and their stupid this and, and just all that kind of stuff. I could have just shifted the blame. Um, uh, but in that situation, I, I owned it. And, uh, and, uh, changed my behavior and, uh, actually, uh, started to change, uh, me and some other guys started to change the culture, um, of, of Bravo team there, uh, on the island at that season. And actually it resulted in my boss asking me to, uh, uh, asking me to become a manager. Um, of uh, of that team, and uh, that's a different story. But uh, I mean, we all have communities we have to deal with. Whether it's our boyfriend, girlfriend, whether it's our spouse, whether it's our our immediate family, or the people that we're living with, roommates, our our coworkers, uh, our church. We all have elements of community, and and in that community, we're going to ha- face situations um, where we make poor choices. And again, the invitation of wisdom is. Learn from me. Become wise. Take my rebuke, my reproof, my correction, and become a, a wise person. But folly extends the same invitation. The last um, uh, thing I'd like to talk to you uh, briefly about, uh, the last C word there, is condition. And when I say condition, I'm, I'm talking about uh, the condition of your heart, the condition of my heart. And uh, I grew up, in the church, and I knew all the right stuff to say, I knew all the right stuff to do, um, but as a young adult, I found myself very much straddling the ways of the world and the kingdom of God, and it was a very uncomfortable place to be, but I was there nonetheless. I was partly there uh, because through my teenage years, I had um, uh, developed a very unhealthy uh, lust in my heart and uh, was actually pretty addicted to pornography at the time. Before, it was actually really easy to get addicted to pornography. Um, so I kind of worked for that one and uh, found myself sitting through weekend services, listening to the stuff, Smiling to the people, but I was just totally dead inside. And there was this battle going on inside of me. And I just remember countless hundreds, if not thousands of opportunities, whether they be weekend retreats or conversations with, with friends or worship services or sermons or ministry times or opportunities to respond to, you know, what God was doing in the room or the meeting or the conference or whatever it was. I remember countless times just wrestling with this, this thing I was on the inside, and then this thing that I was uh, on the outside, uh, as the condition of my heart was kind of one way, but my life on the outside was just the other way. And I could feel, I could feel the invitation of the Holy Spirit to step out of that, i could feel wisdom's invitation kind of crying out loudly like hey simple one come over here like i will teach you the paths of life but i could also feel uh, folly's call doing the same thing standing in the same street calling loudly just like wisdom was saying come over here like uh water or bread eaten in secret and water that's stolen is good invitation but i knew the death it was producing in me but i didn't have the wherewithal to step out of that myself, I was I was stuck, um, and uh, and for a long time, I just listened to folly, and it just produced destruction in my life. Destruction that did not end when I got married, did not end when you know I could I could attempt to fulfill. My lustful desires with a spouse. By the way, that doesn't work. Lust is something that is self-oriented and self-driven. And it's all about me and what I can get. And Jesus said, hey, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to come after me, if you want to follow me, it's going to cost you everything. you got to pick up your cross, your instrument of torture and execution. If you want to save your life, you will lose it but if you lose your life for my sake and my kingdom, you'll find it. You know, in, uh, in John chapter 12, Jesus, right before he's uh, about to get executed, right before he gets arrested, he's talking to some religious leaders and his disciples are around, and he makes this analogy. He says, unless a grain of wheat, I think a kernel of wheat, falls into the ground and dies, it can't bear fruit. Man, following Jesus... It is not free. It will cost you everything. It's the most amazing, epic adventure you could possibly have in life. But it will cost you your death. You will have to die to yourself. And I couldn't come to grips with that. So I stayed walking the path of foolishness for years and years and years. And one of these... Maybe sometime I'll get invited back I'll tell you the testimony of what the Lord did in my life because it's pretty fantastic. But... In that season of life, in the season of life you're in right now, where your decisions have a compounding effect on the rest of your life, you've got to know the condition of your heart. Look, we can come to Lifeway, small group stuff, and it's fun, and we enjoy seeing our friends and all that kind of stuff, but but when we got stuff going on in our heart and the condition of our heart is sick, and, and, and we know that wisdom is calling us, we hear it through conversations with our friends, maybe our parents are part of that voice of wisdom, maybe the Holy Spirit is kind of poking at you or stirring at you in some things, and we avoid it, we're only inviting the death and destruction that folly brings in our life to just reign supreme. What do you do when truth comes to you? Do you cooperate with wisdom and adjust something in your life? Or do you cooperate with folly and refuse to let the truth change you? I just want to read Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20, really briefly. And I'm just going to invite you to close your eyes. Sometimes it helps me to actually just like focus on the word. Then you don't have to look at me in my skinny jeans. So Proverbs chapter 1 verse 20, just says this. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On the top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will you mockers delight in your mockery and fools in their hatred of knowledge? Repent at my rebuke, then I will pour out my thoughts to you, and I will make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call, and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you, then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but they will not find me. Since they have hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear or harm. I'm just going to take a few moments and pray. I'm just going to invite you to just maybe as i was speaking the lord was putting his finger on on something in your life maybe an area where there's been some foolishness and and just want to take a moment and actually just just repent of that and uh and just invite god and his spirit of wisdom to just speak to you and allow you allow uh himself his spirit to just address those things in your life so so while i'm praying for you i want you to just kind of pray along with me in some parts and and maybe just not even listen to what I'm saying and just have a personal conversation uh, with the Lord about what's going on in your life. So Father, I, I thank You that Your Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Wisdom. And I thank You that even though we continue, like young children, to make foolish decisions and unwise choices, God, that you are always there to rebuke, to correct, to straighten out, and to to really place our foot back on the path of life. God, there may even be some here tonight who have never even taken that first step of wisdom to actually say, I'm willing to lay down my life for everything. I'm willing to lay it all down to follow Jesus. Jesus. Because if we don't take that first step, all the good choices in the world will still lead us to death. They'll still lead us to destruction because of the weight of our own sin. God, we just trust in You and in the work of Your Son Jesus to deliver us from our sins, to lead us into a relationship with You, and to be filled with Your precious Holy Spirit that supplies everything that we need in this life. So God, if there are any here this evening, tonight, who don't know you in that way, I just want to invite you to trust that Jesus can save you from your sins. To turn, which is all repentance means, just to simply turn from your foolishness, from your sin, and just trust that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came and lived a perfect life, the life we couldn't live, died and was resurrected, came back to life, to put your faith and trust in Him and turn to God and allow Him to take our folly, our messes, our sins, and to follow Him, no matter what it costs. And Father, I'm sure there are many others in this room, myself included, where there are just areas of our life Where we're just, we're just following folly right into areas of destruction and death and sin. And God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit, whom we trust to illuminate those areas of our life, God. And we ask for grace to choose wisdom in those moments. Father, it's not easy to choose the wise choice in those moments where maybe we feel like someone is being critical. Or maybe we feel like it would be easier to just take that spotlight and just shift it slightly or step out of the way. God, it's not easy in those moments to respond to the call of wisdom. But God, we ask for Your grace. God, to help us respond to Your invitation to live as wise people. God, where there are areas of outright Sin and rebellion in our life. God, we just choose to repent. God, we just lay those things before you, almost speechless. God, I know how I felt stuck when I could look at the condition of my heart and see that things weren't right, but I just, I didn't even have the willpower to walk away. And God, for those who are wrestling with, with that kind of addiction to sin or that kind of stronghold in their life, whatever it is, God, I just speak your words over them in Galatians that say, it is for freedom that Christ Jesus has set us free. And we just ask for your grace and your mercy to walk in wisdom Father, I do pray that there would just be a special blessing on each and every one of these young people here this evening. God, to walk out of this room tonight, God, in relationships with each other, encouraging one another, speaking life over one another, God, to make wise choices, God, and when they don't make wise choices, to turn at wisdom's reproof quickly, God, and really just prosper and flourish in life. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.